But I mean, Big Al forever will hold a place in my heart because he hits dingers. Yeah, that's he does reason. hit dingers. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me as usual. And Leland, let's start off with some good news because there's not a lot of good news in 2020. So let's start out with the good news. Baseball is back. Now, to watch it live, you're going to need to be up at 1 or 5.30 a.m. most of the time. But it's the KBO. It's the Korean Baseball Organization. And I got to be honest, Leland, I've had my live TV paused for the last two weeks, so I haven't been paying like a TV bill uh, because without live sports, I was like, what's the point? I'm not watching it. Uh, But I think this is enough to get me back on because I really just want to watch baseball. So if it's not going to be on ESPN plus on demand, I need, I need it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. My initial reaction was excitement. I know I won't get as into this because it's not, the usual suspects like it's not the Yankees that I hate and it's not the Red Sox and it's not your Orioles and it's not you know John's Phillies and it's you know my brother-in-law's Mets um it's not my Pirates so it's not all the things I know already it's not the Dodgers not the Giants but I appreciate people putting out information today I saw a really handy list that one guy put out that like kind of equated the teams in that league to what they were uh, in American, you know, in, in our teams and, you know, the LG twins are like the Dodgers and uh, I don't even have the note anymore, but one team was like the Yankees. So I knew I didn't like them, but before I even looked into it, I was like, you know what? I got a Samsung phone. I got a Samsung fridge. I like these Samsung lines. That's who I'm going to root for only because I have some Samsung products and I want to see where that gets me. And they're going to be on ESPN a couple times this week. I'm just going to take the games at one, try to watch them when I can, but just seeing some lot, like some baseball that I haven't seen before. Like, you know, I, I watch some of these old games and like across the bottom, it tells you, well, this is going to happen in this game. Or, you know, I know, you know, <laughs> uh, Dave Roberts is going to steal second here and, and the Red Sox are going to be like, I've seen these games before. So it'll just be live new things. I'm going to try to care as much as I can, but I know as soon as major league baseball comes back, I'm going to care a lot more. Um, and it'll be back to normal, but I'll take this for now. And just to hear the sounds of baseball be great. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be trying to DVR these games as well and trying to watch them. Um, I I am going to root for the LG twins because they have, uh, Hyunsoo Kim, former Oriole on the team. Uh, that's kind of the Oriole way to root for him. And then they, uh, also have, uh, Dan Straley, who used to pitch for the Orioles for about a minute before we cut him due to a strained ERA. Uh, and so the LG twins are going to be my team because it's got some former Orioles on it. It's only 10 teams in the league. So uh, you're probably going to get to see teams a few times. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Jeff Passan who put up uh, just a montage of various Korean uh, players bat flipping. That's a big thing in the KBO. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and yeah, I'm just going to root for the former Orioles and then just for baseball. I, again, I, yeah. unlike you, unless I'm rooting for the LG twins and then the broadcasters tell me about this huge rivalry the twins have with someone else, I'm probably not going to have anybody I hate. 
yeah. unless <laughs> unless I see someone and I just hate them because they're beating the twins or something. But it, yeah, the LG twins with Hunsu Kim. That's going to be my team. Uh, Hunsu Kim, I'm going to try to get it to you. Maybe you can put it on the Yak Sports pod Twitter. But when he came over to the Orioles, uh, he was introduced to the Orioles as like this KBO sensation, which he was. And he also had his own song. Uh, multiple players in Korea have their own songs, but he had his own theme song that they made while he was in South Korea uh, because he was a superstar over there. And wow. uh, it's awesome. And I loved it. I'll yeah, be singing it while I watch him. Yeah. Seeing that kind of culture, seeing like how they do things, like they're good with bat flips, they're getting their own. So I'm, I'm here to see something. It's the, it's the uh, XFL of baseball. It'll be a good precursor too, without fans in the stands. Yeah, and and that'll be. I don't think it'll bother me. Like it'll be different, but I, heck, I'll just like live sports. I'll take it without fans. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, looking at the uh, NFL news of the week, kind of the only other thing really to talk about of stuff going on. Um, the biggest news of the week was Andy Dalton getting cut from the Bengals. For some reason, JMU fans think that has like an impact on Ben DiNucci. Like, oh, well, now he was he's not going to be second string quarterback in Dallas. Like, yeah, no, he was <laughs> never going to be second string quarterback in Dallas. Like, he's hoping to maybe be a third string, make the practice squad. And and my personal opinion is like he'll be darn lucky if he's on the practice squad. So yeah, I don't I don't see how this plays a lot in his life. Um, there's still four quarterbacks on that roster. They cut a guy. Uh, I don't even know, recognize who that was. They cut him. It's, I don't know. Ben Nucci has a tall road ahead of him. Andy Dalton and him don't belong in the same sentence. The same. So, uh, yeah, I don't see how it has any effect on Danucci. Cooper Rush is still on the team, I think. So I, that's your third quarterback in Dallas, if you're asking me. Yeah, and Lord knows who they might sign otherwise. So it's just... I did see uh, some a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans wondering why they would sign Andy Dalton. Um, I heard this on ESPN Radio, and it's a it's a factor I didn't even think about. But when the NFL comes back, obviously there's that fear of players testing positive during the season while you're playing. And what if it's your quarterback? Then you need a solid backup ready to go. Andy Dalton as a backup quarterback seems like a he would be one of the top backups you could go to. So yeah. not a bad idea. It's another theory floated out as to why the Packers might have drafted the quarterback they did. I don't know about that. The Eagles, same uh, story, the Eagles, yeah. same story with Jalen Hurts. So uh, it's an interesting theory. I, I don't know how much of that goes into these decisions that have been made, or how much of that is just a convenient thing to throw out there and trying to in Green Bay's uh, instance of trying to put out a fire before it starts. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I- it makes sense to have a good backup quarterback. I don't. I don't care. And uh, Green. I just think Green Bay sets a little different than all these other teams. Like because the other teams didn't trade up in the first round. They didn't trade up, and they didn't. It's you know like in the Eagles situation. Well, like he's gotten hurt twice. I mean, like the last two years, wasn't it? Like he get he has a quarterback that's tended to get hurt, and also he could this other guy could develop very well behind him. Um, I don't know. I guess that other guy in Green Bay is going to develop. It just seems like he's going to develop for five years. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, the thing we never really talked about was, I, don't, I mean, I really don't think we touched much on Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. But the whole Gronk thing signing, all I saw when I saw it was like Gronk just got traded to Tampa Bay. And I was like, did I miss that like Gronk is back? Like, <laughs> I guess that's all in the same news, but I just like, what did I sleep for a week or what? 
But yeah, he's there. I'll tell you what, it all that move is just it just keeps telling me the Saints are gonna win that division. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh to me I, the, I think so. The Gronk coming out of retirement and being traded was the same news because it was all the same. Uh it was it was at the same time. Um Yeah, but like I guess the new the tweet the tweets I saw and the comments after it had accepted he's back. You know, last time I knew he was hosting wrestling, you know, so it was just like it, it, it was a little bit of a jump in my mind. So, right. No, that makes sense. Um, I wish he would have stayed in wrestling because I could forget about him and I don't like Rob Gronkowski. But let's move on to the last dance. I finished part six bef- right before we came on. That's why I need a little extra time um, so I could finish part six. Because uh, as I mentioned, I don't have live TV, so it's watching the next day. But uh, there was uh, I thought part five and part six was good. Um, again, my problem with my biggest problem is going to be a my biggest problem for the rest of this documentary. So I've just come to terms with it. It's not a deal breaker, um, and I I still like it. Uh, I will say there were a couple. You're talking things... about the jumping around. You're talking about the jumping mm-hmm. around. You... Yeah, yeah. There's there was a couple things. You know, obviously. Uh, MJ's not being political came up in this one, which was kind of a ding on him. And then the gambling came up, which was another ding on him. And then the whole Isaiah not being on the dream team and how much of that was Michael was another ding on him. So this one, these two kind of felt like they had more of the darker side uh, and more of the attacks that Jordan had to endure during, during his runs. It was the yin and the yang. I mean, they say, okay, well, here he is getting all the promotion, getting all the endorsement deals and all that, being the face of the the, the Nikes, being the face of the NBA, really. And then what it was showing the other side. I liked I liked how they developed that kind of kind of the yin yang of the whole deal. Um, I don't know which one of those you want to hit on first. <laughs> well, what I want to touch on as well is they talked about Adidas really blowing it, um, and that <laughs> yeah. is a the Adidas story is a fascinating one. I highly recommend. People look into that uh, because that family has actually there is a town in Germany where the shoes are made, uh, the headquarters of Adidas, uh, Adidas and uh, Puma. And those two companies happened because the family did not quite resolve things amicably. Uh, Those are two different companies. The same family owns them. Uh, One half of the family still owns and runs Adidas this is like left Twix and right Twix here. <laughs> Pretty close. Uh, in fact, in the town, in the town, there are, there's like a sides of the town. Like you go into buildings and they're going to look at your shoes. And if you have the wrong shoes, you get the hell out. Uh, it's, it's a blood feud that goes traces all the way back to world war two even. Um, but they, they obviously, uh, they talked about it here in the Jordan documentary. It still wasn't resolved when Jordan was needing to be signed in the eighties. So, uh, Adidas at the time was the athletic shoe. Uh, it was a huge one. And with Jordan, that's the proper way to say it. That's fine. I'm going to be right. I'm not going to put up with Adidas. I mean, it's Adidas. No, it's Adidas. That's it's Adidas. That's the name of the family. That's how they pronounce it. It's like, Oh, this is the worst thing you've ever said. Adidas. Like, come on. That's how it's pronounced. That's how the family says their name. You live in America. No. Oh, so I'm supposed to pronounce it wrong. Okay. Well, Robert Morris calls it Adidas right out front. Okay, well, people people from Louisiana call it Louisiana. Are we going to start calling it Louisiana? 
It's Adidas, man. Uh, wrong, Leland. It's Louisiana, because that's how they pronounce it down there. Okay, then start calling your years, first year, second year, third year. Stop. You're so pretentious. Uh, Didi. Uh, I can't even say it. It's Adidas. It's not. It's a German family name. That's how they pronounce it. Oh, my goodness. You're wrong. It's for Adidas. 35 years I've called it Adidas. And, and you've pronounced it wrong for 35 years, Leland. I can't help you. I'm yeah, trying to culture you. They called it documentary last night that you were watching. What, what would they call it? They there? pronounced it wrong, too. Good for them for not looking it up. Only Joe is right. Only Joe is right. Well, and the family <laughs> who's named that. But, sure. Oh, my goodness. They were the premier shoe in athletics, and then Nike got Jordan, and the rest was history. So... Uh, yeah, so Nike kind of took over, and it's it's interesting I mean, to see. Come on, they get they sign Jordan somehow. They work out their their crap that they were going through there, and, and they sign Jordan. And Jordan does his first ad, and he says, "Man, I love wearing these Adidas. You know what they're called forever? Adidas. Like that's the biggest name. Like if he mispronounced Nike, if he went in there the first day and it's, it's like Nikea or some some weird thing, Nike would be like, "Yeah, we're not Nikea now. You know, like whatever Jordan says. Go. I mean." Jordan run like the domination and like the heel coming off the heels of that. They talked about Nike wanting three million to sell three million dollars worth of shoes in like two years, two or three years, and they sold a hundred and thirty million in one year. Like just the level of impact that dude has off the bat was crazy. And I think that's something that I didn't really grasp. You know, as far as I knew basketball, Jordan's always existed. Like he came in the league when I was born, but even by the time I got, you know, realization that this sport exists and there's guys playing it, Michael Jordan was the man. I didn't realize how how much hype he got in his rookie season. I, I you know, going back, I knew he hit the big shot from North Carolina. He was a, a big time recruit. I, I knew that stuff. I just didn't realize he came onto the scene and just like dominated the way he did. In, in the public's eyes, you know, maybe not the game. He wouldn't win in titles immediately, but like just the impact he had on the popularity of the league and, and his fame. I, I thought that was crazy. Yeah. Do you want to touch his politics stuff? Because I, I don't know. I don't get I don't it's care a double for it. standard. I don't care he's, for he's, it. I mean, he's not he It's not like he was a poli sci major at UNC. No, I don't care to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it. I just, I don't know. I think it's a double standard in multiple ways. Um, I understand people wishing he would have spoke up, but. I do kind of roll my eyes at the people saying this is why LeBron's better than Jordan when LeBron's big moment this year is him and his stance on China. So, yeah, I I think that's when we said this is why we don't want to hear him talk. I mean, I think that's what we said on the podcast. But, yeah, I. I don't know. I I mean, the stuff that that North Carolina governor was saying was absolutely terrible. And no <laughs> yeah, doubt. pretty hard to defend that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, but it's not like I, I don't see how not speaking up is defending the other side. It's not. It's just like saying away. And I mean, you, you want to knock Jordan for not speaking up. Look at his bank account from Nike, from Gatorade, from McDonald's. All those companies don't want him to say anything. I don't I like. I don't know. You, it, yeah, yeah, freedom of speech, but you don't have freedom of consequences. And it seems like Jordan gets that a lot better than anybody on Twitter does these days. I don't. Mm. Uh, I want to move on to another topic before we get to uh, bringing a special guest on for a few minutes. Uh, Trey Mancini uh, obviously had been missing 
Um, and he had said, you know, he had, it had been cancer related. Uh, and he kind of came out and said, you know, stage three colon cancer and he started chemo treatment. So obviously, even if baseball comes back this year, Trey Mancini won't be a part of it, uh, which is, you know, sad. Uh, hopefully he gets through this. Uh, it's been pretty inspiring to see Orioles and even some other major league teams and players uh, reaching out and supporting him and uh, using his number, which is 16 in hashtag fight with the the I and the G being a one and a six. Uh so obviously it's hard in today's day and age to come across somebody who hasn't been impacted by cancer in some way, uh, whether that's family, friends, themselves, pretty impossible to find anybody that doesn't have any of that uh, in their life. So I think the shocking part here is that it's a professional athlete because you don't see this very often where a professional athlete in their prime going and battling through cancer. It's just not common. So obviously uh, hoping that he can get through that and come back and be a, be a part of the Baltimore Orioles again, but more importantly, just make it through and uh, continue to be there for his family and loved ones uh, because uh, he's by all measures, he seems to be a great human being. Uh, He even, recently was still reaching out to Baltimore Oriole charities asking, Hey, how can I help you guys with all the things going on in the world right now? And the reason he didn't want to announce this, uh, right away, uh, when he started, uh, when it first leaked that it may be cancer is because that was the same time that the coronavirus stuff was happening and major league baseball was being put on hold. And he said he didn't want to distract from a global pandemic and other people's needs in that moment. So just completely unselfish and uh, hoping the best for Trey Mancini and a quick recovery for him. Yeah, obviously nothing different to say there. I mean, you just hate you hate seeing it. Uh, you know, a lot of times you do. You see it. It's more the athlete's family and stuff. And you, And I know a lot of people always pull together behind that. So. Uh, having a player here is is a little different than than the absolute norm. So yeah, best of luck for him and all the thoughts there, man. All right, Leland, let's talk about some bad news now. Out of Williamsport, for the first time in the history of Little League, the Little League World Series will not happen. It has been canceled due to coronavirus. I know you're devastated about this, uh, but I want to bring Brad on for what he Devastate. won't miss about the Little League World Series? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's pretty bad news. Um, I would say the worst news probably just for the kids um, in general because they actually get the opportunity to get on that big stage, kind of shine a little bit. However, I think it's great for all of us at home. We don't have to actually sit there and go through all of that mess. Um, where where do I begin? Um I mean, let's start with the obvious thing. Dude, the umpires are atrocious. They are the worst in at any level. I mean, oh my gosh. You Have you see, you've seen Valley League Baseball, too. You watch some Major League games, it, it's bad. It, it's bad on, the, on that level sometimes, and you're like, how do they miss that? Well, let me tell you, go, go watch a Little League game, and bro, we're seeing pitches in the other like halfway into the other other batter's box being called and they like call 
pitches just off the plate, like between the batter's box line. They call that in the river. This stuff is up over. It's on the shore. (laughs) It's not in the river. It's on the shore. And the umpire's just like, yup, strike three. And the kid, the kid's like, what am I supposed to do? I agree, kid. What are you supposed to do? Because, I mean, this guy should not be getting paid for what he's doing. Well, he's not. He's a volunteer. <laughs> Good. He should probably be paying to do it because you know, what he's doing is robbing people. I mean, it's terrible. What I else? Mean, we, can, we can jump from there. I mean, let's talk about the mechanics, dude. <laughs> These kids are doing their arm bar and their swings all the way out. So it's like you're taught – at a young age, you want the quickest swing, right? These kids are armbarring all the way out, taking a long swing. And at that, at that, it's a, it's like a two-third swing. They don't even follow through. And this stuff's launched over the fence. D- don't ask me how. I couldn't tell you how because that, that stuff doesn't happen in the majors. I mean... You wanted to back the fences up? Yeah, I mean, come on. They're telling they're telling you this stuff is equivalent to like a ninety something mile an hour fastball coming in, but yet they're arm barring out and launching it out like it's no problem. Juice balls in the majors? Why don't we talk about juice balls in little? <laughs> Come on. Also, I mean the number of errors we see it's oh it's ridiculous sometimes. I mean, I know they're kids; they're learning, so I can get over that. Maybe don't put but, them on TV then. I'm just saying the first two problems, dude, are huge. And can we get over the chicken dance, please? <laughs> I mean, for real, the chicken dance. We're gonna we're we're gonna say that that's super cool. All right, Leland, your thoughts. I, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing. Umpires are bad. You've seen Valley League baseball, and you still think they're the worst uh, umpires of the Little League World Series. So, I mean, that is saying something. Uh, I really do think the umpires. You say they have to pay to do it. Should have to pay to do it. I think they pay their own way. I think they're volunteers. They get their own hotel. Like so, like to a point. I think they do pay their own way to do it. Um, I mean, my issue. I like the Little World Series because I think you see some good things there. I think you um, you see the kids in the stage and and big moments and they're playing for the love of the game. And it's not about the money. It's not about scholarships. It's not about anything else other than just playing to win. So I like those approaches. The issue I get quickly is, and I think Joe hit it on there with, you know, maybe they shouldn't be on TV, is it does feel like we're exploiting them. I mean, it feels like there's a lot of money being dumped into this, and it's, it's exploiting, like, 12-year-old little boys and once in a while a girl. And, and you know, heaven help them if they have, a you know, like uh, a girl that's that's good at baseball that's playing on the team. And, I mean, that's the only thing they talk about. I think that's – I think it's wrong how we exploit them. So – in all honesty, if we could take it off TV and stop exploiting these kids, I'd be all for it. But since that's never going to happen because of money, um, I, I mean, I find the reasons I do enjoy watching it. I do cut it on. And after watching most seasons, uh, you know, four or five months of Major League Baseball, you know, it is a little different of a pace, a little different of a meaning there. And and so I, I enjoy it for two weeks in August, you know, when – I'm just waiting for football to start. I have a question. How do you feel about the the interviews with the players, where you find out a little more about them? Because at first it sounds great, until they all start until, until they all start talking about their favorite player and how it's the most overrated Yankees player for just about <laughs> you know seventy percent of the league. I mean, how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, it's it's not always the best. I you know when it's like, what's your favorite other than baseball stuff? Like, I really think it gets stretched pretty thin though too. And like when the kids are like, what's your favorite song? And it's like some song that's even even edited is a terrible song for a twelve year old to be listening to. That always makes me feel good inside too. So. <laughs> uh, and the puns the puns are bad too from the announcers usually i yeah i i think uh they get a full themselves there for sure that's there's no doubt about Carl that Ravitch. i do like what they've done the last two years with the major league teams coming in there and like they're watching the major league teams are around the stadium the day during the games and then the kids go to the game that night where the major league players play and i do like that um for a situation that's already happening for them to have that because those kids are just you know, idolize those players, even though, you know, even though it's not the Yankees and the most overrated Yankee player, they still like seeing the good baseball players from the other team. So I think that's pretty cool. And they're like riding the bus together. I do like that kind of stuff, but I mean, I'll miss it. I, I mean, I, the kid that said I hit Daners the other year was the best. That Big was like my favorite liner. I did like, uh, Monet Davis. I did like that. She, and she was good. She was dominant. So I, I, they exploited her. They still exploit her that she was on the broadcast last year. They won't stop exploiting her, but I did like that. She was good. Like, I think you get good stories out of it. So I'll miss it. And, but in August, I probably won't think about it as as long as football's coming back. I probably won't think about it. Can I be honest? The biggest story in terms of little league world series that I can remember, Danny Almonte. Yes, Danny Almonte. It's a scandal. Him and and Monet Davis were the two biggest stories. Yeah, Monet Davis was big, but I mean, for me, Danny Almonte was bigger because that kid was pitching like perfect games every time he went out there. All that did was reiterate what's wrong with it because it was people, people put like that kid wasn't like making up a lie on his own and all that. Oh, yeah. Adults around ruining the sport. And that's, that's what was terrible. But I just want to, for the listeners at home, you haven't watched a Little League World Series until you've watched it with Brad, because the stuff you're the stuff you're hearing is a little tamer too. Because usually when you're watching these kids, he's like, "Look at that form. Who taught these kids? Oh my <laughs> gosh!" And uh, when you're watching him try to turn two, he goes, "Never going to turn two going that slow." <laughs> I mean, it is I don't just. Like to speak with the technique. <laughs> It is just absolutely watching it for like major league caliber uh, clinics and technique. And he's just ripping these young kids. It's hilarious to listen to, especially when they're up there, especially when they're up there, just as he says, arm barring out, swinging and missing. He's like, yeah, it wouldn't happen if you wouldn't arm barred. Uh, But, oh man, you just, it, it, you really need to watch it. And then, uh, when you watch the umpiring too, he's, he's not kidding. Uh, he'll sit there and, uh, he'll even go back and say that wasn't even a strike when I was in high school, <laughs> so, which he hated his high school umpires too. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't get along with too many umpires. So. <laughs> well, Brad, thanks. I also, I also didn't strike out that much. So yeah, that's true. You almost hit a dinger against Hanley because they suck at baseball. But uh, did I did I hear the word almost? It's not mine. It was off the fence. For a leadoff hitter that was like one twenty soaking wet, Leland, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> almost at Bridgeforth. One twenty dry. That, that was at Bridgeforth too. That's a college baseball field. He almost went deep on. There's a lot of Valley leaguers that don't go deep on that field. 
and Brad took some kid from Hanley who can't hide their Hanley pride. He almost hit it over the fence. Instead, he had to settle for a triple. Anyway, it's always fun burying Hanley when you get a chance. So, Brad, thanks for doing the uh, updated region for the Disney villain bracket that we'll get to here in a minute. I'll be sharing your bracket with Leland as we go through it. And uh, thanks for joining us here on, on the Little League World Series. All right, now that we got the kid bashing out of the way, let's get to the B block with Cody Elliott. All right, next here on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Cody Elliott on from the Daily News Record out of Harrisonburg. Tenth time for Cody, so uh, wow. one of our favorite <laughs> guests. Our, you were our first guest, um, and now you just hit the 10 mark, so uh, you're coming a long ways for the podcast. <laughs> Man, that's making me feel, geez, <laughs> I did not realize there had been that many. <laughs> I think it just shows laziness on our part that we just keep calling the same people, and, and it's yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, you, you must be pretty bored if you have to keep calling me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how uh, how have you been? How have things been going? Um, yeah, just um, obviously a, a weird time right now, I think, for everyone, um, especially in the sports writing world. I know it's been um, kind of a difficult time, I feel like, for some people. Um, fortunately, I haven't been hit too hard yet um you know a lot of people having to do furloughs and and different things like that some people getting laid off um some really well-respected writers across the country have had to be laid off been laid off because of this so um really difficult time so just um i think the biggest thing uh, that we've been trying to do up here at the dnr is just you know continuing to pump out content and um you know kind of just not miss a beat um, you know, obviously our, in terms of print stuff, our, our content's been cut down a little bit, but, uh, we're still providing three or four local stories a day. Um, JMU football, JMU basketball, obviously I've got the local prep stuff. Um, and then our, our sports editor has been doing a lot of flashback stuff and kind of looking to older, older athletes that played back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, just looking back at some of them. So just doing really anything we can at this point to, um, you know, stay relevant, I guess. Um, it's, it's really hard with no live sports and, and nothing going on. So um, doing everything we can to stay relevant. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's been tough, but uh, just trying to stay busy. And, and luckily, I, I'm in kind of a good groove right now with, with plenty of stuff to write about in terms of features and things like that. I've been enjoying your throwbacks, at least for the recent years, because those are the names that I recognize. And uh, when you post about one of these players the last couple of years, this, you know, on today on this date, this guy did that. I thought that was pretty, uh, I thought I like those. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. It's something that I, um, just recently had the chance to even be able to do. Um, or, you know, I, I've always enjoyed going to the office and looking through our archives and going back and looking at old print editions and then, um, occasionally looking up articles online. Um, but I never really had a chance to look at photos either. And then, um, with, with the, uh, quarantine and things like that, and just being bored at the house, I was talking to my photographer about it one day and, he um, set me up to have access to our archive system, and, and I've just been going through and just um, daily looking at those. And then even outside of those dates, you know, I've posted those to Twitter for people to see. Um, but I've just, you know, enjoyed kind of looking back at some of the, the old, you know, I've looked at some of the old big names that, that have played in a bunch of different sports. And it's just, it's kind of cool. You, you look at the photos and you look at the, and you know, some of these guys, you know, you know now and you see them now. And then you go back and look at, you know, how they looked back then and then. Um, read some of the stories and read just how things have changed and, and where coaches are, are now and just different things like that. It's been cool. So 
um, yeah, that that's been a really big hit for some reason. So we've tried to find some ways to maybe potentially implement that um, into our paper. Um, you know, if we can find some more space, uh, but you know, that's something that people seem to be really enjoying and, and I've enjoyed it too. I think it's, that's cool. I, I'm a big, um, Valley history guy. I like, I like talking about the old teams and, 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 you know, reading back on them. So, um, I've got some projects I, I think that are going to extend off that going into the summer with some of the old teams from around here, um, that I'm starting to kind of look into and, and kind of do some rough drafts with, um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I, I think that's been really fun, and people seem to be really enjoying it. Awesome. So, Cody, when it gets to local sports news, kind of the the big local story right now is Tyler Nickel and the offers he's been able to get uh, for college basketball and kind of what that might look like, who he's expecting to get offers from maybe in the future and where he's leaning right now. I, I know that's probably tough for you to answer right now, but – I. I think we're safe to say JMU's probably out, but between uh, Penn State and Virginia Tech now, the two Power Five offers he's got. Uh, what when you talk to him, you know, what's kind of how he's viewing this? Yeah, well, uh, it, it, he's definitely in a weird spot right now. He's told me that um, obviously with this with everything going on currently, um, that's eliminated AAU now they're hoping that they'll be able to play some games in, in July. Um, that's actually when a lot of the really big tournaments are and where, where you see it, a lot of the power five coaches at. Um, so he's hoping that he'll be able to play by then, but right now he hasn't been able to play at all. So, you know, he had two back to back really good years. Um, you know, first two years in BHSL history, no one's ever scored more points in two years. So, um, I mean, that's pretty impressive to do. I mean, he's in some pretty elite company there. Um, I think the biggest thing was, you know, last year at this time, he had started AU, he went on the AU circuit, and that's when he really started to pick up um, steam in terms of his recruitment. Um, that's when he picked up the Virginia Tech offer, which was just about, just a little over a year ago. That was his first offer. Um, you know, James, or his first Power 5 offer. Um, you know, he had JMU, ODU, VCU had picked up along there somewhere in the way. Um, and then recently, just Penn State. What's interesting, and I need to I need to talk to him more about this and find how that find out how this works. But I'm not sure when exactly he got that Penn State offer because technically the NCAA rules right now they're not supposed to be offering to their two sophomores. I'm not supposed to have any talks with them. Um, so I need to find that out. I don't know if that has something to do with his age and the reclassification. Um, but he he's just told me he's kind of in a standstill right now. I mean, um, I do know that Michigan and um, Clemson and Ohio State are some of the schools that have, have talked to Kerry Keys at East Rock and, um, you know, different things like that, but um, no official offers yet. So I, in my in my opinion, I think it's just going to continue to grow. I think it's going to continue to blow up. Um, last I had heard, he was ranked number three in his class. Um, he's got a teammate that he plays uh, AU with that's also been offered by Tech, also been offered by Penn State. Um, they kind of seem like they're a package duo there. Um but, yeah, I think the biggest thing right now is he, th- those offers aren't rolling in maybe as quickly as he would have thought or we would have thought because of the coronavirus and not being able to play. Um, that's obviously impacting not only him but a ton of players. I know there's a bunch of seniors right now that, that could have been playing AU and, and getting some last-minute Division three, Division two looks. Um, but because of all this, they've been told by their recruiters, you know, we've kind of moved on to the class of 2021, um, hmm. which really sticks for those seniors because now they're getting, you know, left – left hanging there a little bit so Tyler's in a good spot there he's obviously going to get plenty of looks he's going to get offers but yeah he's kind of in a standstill right now and 
Um, you know, Penn State offered. Um, I don't know if, if we'll see any more anytime soon, maybe towards the end of the summer if they get to play any games. But, um, yeah, he's not playing. So it's kind of hard for, I think, for anyone outside of just talking to him and watching film from this past season. It's hard for anyone to offer him at this point. Yeah, man, if you could break a story that Penn State uh, violated the dead period <laughs> on recruiting, that would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of it only affects Penn State, not Nickel. Definitely get him. Yeah, definitely get him to come to Virginia Tech. Then, yeah, Penn State can't have him. They violated the dead rule. Uh, speaking of recruiting, uh, when in terms of Virginia Tech, uh, both football and basketball have kind of started to land some people and get some commits. I, I know the football program. Maybe a lot of people complaining about in state, but. I gotta be honest. When we're pulling in the kind of talent we're pulling in out of state, I don't really care as long as the guys can play. Mm-hmm. I'll take the best players available wherever they're from. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think the in-state thing, I mean, to, to an extent, I, I I do understand why people want in-state talent. That makes sense. Um, but I also do think recruiting's changed um, now compared to what it was, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Um, Things are different, I mean, and even if you really, if you look back over the last five years at the in-state talent that has left in terms of those top five, top ten guys that Tech has missed out on, um, really a lot of them haven't even panned out wherever they've went, um, whether it be injuries, you know, off-the-field issues, or just simply just not ever earning playing time or not earning playing time until their senior year. Um, there's a, there's a, Most of those guys really didn't pan out the way that they thought they were going to. Um, and it turned out, you know, maybe not as big of a miss as it looked like at the time. So, um, you know, as long as I think, you know, as long as they continue to, to do well in the out-of-state uh, recruit with the out-of-state recruits, I, yeah, I agree with you completely because, you know, you look at those guys in Texas with Demetrius Davis and and um, uh, Latrell Neville and, and all those guys down there. I mean, you know, those guys, if you put them in Virginia right now, based off their their twenty four seven composite rank, ranking and all that, I mean, they're, they're you're talking about top five, top ten players right there. And just because they're not from the state of Virginia, you know, I don't think that. In fact, I think it actually enhances their value <laughs> because they're from Texas. So you know, that, I I don't I don't really understand that whole complaint from some of the fan base. Um, you know, right now I think it's just interesting. I think there's a lot of guys that are kind of. You know, from what I've heard inside the recruiting right now, it seems like there's a lot of guys that are um, right on the edge. And, and, and if if they can get, you know, at least half of those guys right now that seem like they're on the edge of committing to Tech um, to commit, uh, you know, I think it has a chance to be a really, really special class with that class of 2021. You so, know, I, I mean, the uh, winning would help recruiting in state. So get these guys, get right. to winning, and then we'll have guys beating down the doors. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's obviously where it starts. Yeah, I think. You know, people, when you talk about recruits, the kids around here, around Virginia, they still see, you know, they, they just saw Virginia Tech lose to the UVA. They just saw, they've seen Virginia Tech go through different things. They've, you know, it, it's more relevant around here, what the struggles that Virginia Tech has been through, um, you know, where, you know, in different states, it they might not be as as well aware of some of the things that Tech has been through on on a really in-house level, uh, you know, the the stuff that really only the fan base knows um, isn't quite as relevant in some of these other places. And I think that that's why you see them go other places. That's why you see some of these kids from Texas maybe coming up here because, you know, they, they know more about Texas and those schools down there and what their struggles are. So, um, you know, I, I think there are, 
there are benefits to that. And then I think, obviously, if they come up here and Virginia Tech starts winning a lot of games again and they're winning 10, 11 games a year again, um, I don't think there's any question you're going to start seeing more kids from Virginia want to come play there. So I know this kind of popped up today, and maybe you haven't had a chance to look into it too much, but uh, St. Francis wide receiver from the FCS division has entered the transfer portal, Rashawn Henry, and there's talks of apparently a Virginia Tech recruiter following him and maybe Virginia Tech being interested. Um, Again, I don't know how much you've looked into this today or had time to look into that, but... I, I sent a message to Leland, and maybe it's just me uh, in a little FCS, anti-FCS bias, but that guy is at a bad FCS program. I just don't think it, the thought of a guy from St. Francis stepping on the same field as, you know, some greats that we've had at the wide receiver position is right. offensive to me. So I don't know. I, I guess yeah, my question I, is, have you I, I, have I you heard that? Have you looked into it any? I, I hadn't really had time to look into it or anything, but I did I did see that. Um, I saw maybe it was scroll. I, was, I think it was on Twitter or something um, where somebody had said, you know, he, I, I read where he had big numbers and all that, 90 catches, like 1,200 yards, something like that. Um, but I'm with you in terms of I, – I just think, you know, I'm not against FCS to FBS transfers at any level, any sport. Um, obviously, there are plenty of times where they can help you. Um, I think they can add depth in different situations um, with wide receiver right now. I don't see why we need any depth at wide receiver. I think we're fine at that position. Um, but just in terms of that in general, um, I've talked to a lot of people about this and, you know, in term, I just think the whole recruiting has gotten to, to the point where it's such, you know, from high school, it's, it's so much about the social media and, and getting the post out there and getting the likes and the retweets. And that's why you have the, the recruits constantly going on there and putting out these teasers that make the fan base think that they're coming. And then they get all these likes and these followers. And then two days later they commit to another school. That's why you see that stuff all the time. And then with the FCS kids now, it's like, it's become this big dang um, with let, let me get to a power five or let me get to the FBS and, and let me, you know, basically be re-recruited as a transfer now and, and do this whole thing. And, uh, I just think it, it's all gotten so blown out of proportion because, you know, even if you look at like a sport like basketball, these SCS transfers, I'd say 70, 80 percent of them, once they get to the FBS level, they're going to average single digits. Um, they're going to barely play or become role players. Uh, I mean, it's just a different level. Um, and then, man, that wasn't your question. I know you were talking about the receiver, but it just made me think oh, about yeah. something that's really been kind of kind of irking me recently with some of these these kids in the in the transfer market, and it's just gotten so out of control now, and so much about the show and and put it on social media and what looks good instead of what actually makes sense for the kids. Sometimes, um, you know, I, I I I'm with you. I I think that you know if, if the kid comes to Blacksburg, then I, you know obviously I hope he performs, but. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that it, you know, it's always, I just think, I just think a lot of that stuff, you know, these, you can still transfer within FCS and still be happy. You don't always have to, you know, playing at the highest level isn't always the most, going to make you the most successful. I think there's plenty of great opportunities out there at different levels. Yeah. And uh, we, we lost a wide receiver in the transfer portal. Virginia tech lost wide receivers in the transfer portal. And I was told, well, we don't need wide receivers. That kid couldn't play here anyway. And I'm sorry, but those kids are better than this kid. And this kid 
if if the guys who left Virginia Tech at the beginning of the offseason couldn't play at Virginia Tech, there's no way this kid can. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I agree. I don't know, man. I like. Oh, you're we don't on this kid. You you don't like what what video have you seen of this kid? I like, saw him play against JMU, unimpressed. Saw him play against JMU, unimpressed. If he can't dominate JMU, I don't Do want him playing wide receiver at Virginia who Tech. The player was. Exactly. No, I don't. So if I if he doesn't stand out against JMU, if he doesn't stay out at Leland, if he doesn't stand out against JMU, he doesn't belong in Blacksburg. Sorry, stay at St. Francis or Goofball University. Don't come to Virginia Tech. Get out of here. Get out of here. Before you get that worked up about this, like get out. Like I understand the logic of like. Well, he's coming from FCS, but there's diamonds on the rough all the time from FCS. So yeah, I don't for sure. I agree with that, too. I agree 100%. With that too. I think there, are, there are definitely diamonds on the rough out there. Um, again, that's Dude, why I, I don't know enough about this kid to, to really exactly. say yes or no. Damon? So I, my mind is more of bigger, a bigger scheme of things than just Damon gotta, Hazleton. thinking about something else. <laughs> Damon Hazleton could run circles around this kid. Oh. End of story. If I'm being told Damon Hazleton's not good enough to play at Virginia Tech, then this kid's not good enough to play at Virginia Tech. Phillips was told he's not good enough to play in, in the NFL, and then he goes in the XFL and has a heck of a year, and we're thinking he's going to get a chance in the NFL. How's that different? Did he get signed somewhere? He potentially can. I'm sorry we're like in just after the draft here, and he hasn't had any time, and there's a you know pandemic going on. But like we're hopeful that he's going to get signed somewhere because of the performance he had at a lower level, like, why can't this kid potentially be something? Do I think that's the case with this kid? Probably not. The percentage is low. I just don't know why your default reaction to a tweet of this kid possibly coming to Virginia Tech is, oh, he's terrible. Get him out of here. Like, maybe the, maybe he's a dime in the rough. Maybe he has a chance. Like, maybe their coaches are can continue looking at this kid and see if he can fit. If he Here can, was, fine. Here's I, what I'd say the difference is, Leland. Cam Phillips lit up his opponents in the XFL. This kid did not light up JMU. And if he can't light up JMU, he can't light up a number of top 25 teams in the FCS because St. Francis sure wasn't one of them. And so I'm sorry. I'm not interested in seeing him play in the ACC, especially when we lost a receiver in Damon Hazleton, who I actually think is good, despite Virginia Tech fans thinking he's bad because he transferred. Uh, I, I don't think I'm sorry. Hazleton is miles better than this kid. I'd be interested to know where this kid's coming from high school, who has a connection with this kid from when they were possibly recruited before, before they were on Virginia Tech staff, and what they know about this kid and what potential he may have, what upside he may have that's undeveloped, and how that could develop at Virginia Tech. And this kid has played in college football. You go out and get all these seniors from high school that have to now adjust a college style. They know this kid can play in college football. They, he's already adjusted to being away from home, all that stuff. I see the potential for value. I'm not going to stand on a hill and say this kid right here is good. I just don't understand why you just absolutely, you know, trash him before he even has a chance. Like, like why don't why do you let him see what he can do first? Is he, I mean, he hasn't even stepped on the practice field at Virginia Tech. Like, if he's good enough, he's good enough. He's not, they'll cut him. They're not going to waste a scholarship on this guy forever. Like if they use this here, it's try to develop him. Doesn't work out. They'll, they'll drop a scholarship or he'll be in the transfer he, portal next year. He played for a six and six team in the Northeastern conference. And he's going to jump to ACC ball. No, thanks. What did Joe Flacco do at Pitt? At Delaware? At, before he went to Pitt. He won a national championship. At Delaware. I forgot they won a national championship, so I, I, yeah. I, got, I jumped at that Oops. 
like, I mean, there's a chance. There's a chance. This kid there's a zero percent chance this kid's going to be good in the ACC. I hope. You know what? I hope he goes to UVA because we'll we'll erase him. <laughs> well, Cody, I'm glad for that argument. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. I bet. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't anticipate that was the question. So I, you got me started. On, you got me started on a whole other topic that I could make a whole separate podcast about, probably. But um, that's a whole other thing to talk about one day. Earlier today, uh, it just—I guess it hit me at the wrong time. So I had some pent up ready to go. Let's move on to something positive. Assume you've been watching watching the Last Dance. Uh, I have. On yes. Man, it's—I I mean, are you, I'm sure you're enjoying it. I mean, just. Just tell me how much you love it. Oh yeah, I, I've every episode I've loved. Um, the Rodman stuff was awesome. I thought <laughs> um, it kind it kind of gave me a, a you know, I, I I was born in '91, so I was you know obviously in elementary school all through that time period. Um, so I I mean I knew Rodman was good and I knew his value, but it kind of really made me appreciate him more in terms of a, being a basketball player and what he brought to that team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think every week for someone like me, every week I'm just learning something new about that team and about, you know, kind of the things that went on. Um, you know, last night was cool with the Kobe, with the Kobe thing at the beginning and then um, diving into some of the gambling stuff. I mean, I, I, every week I think it's been great. Um, and, you know, I've enjoyed every aspect of it. I don't, there's nothing that that I can really complain about it. Um I know some people have not liked the way it kind of bounces back and forth from 98 to, you know, flashback, you know, to 85, 90, whatever. I actually think that's pretty cool. I, th- I think it's kind of, it's lined up with the way they're telling the story. Um, yeah, I think everything about it has been awesome. I've, I've loved it. And I'm actually sad that we only get two more weeks of it. Yeah, I, that's what I'm dreading. I, fi- I think I woke up to that this morning, like, man, there's only two more of these Sunday nights. But yeah, I mean, I love it uh, too. For me, it's a more of a review. Like the early, the first three Pete, um, especially the first championship or two, I might not recall as easily. But mm-hmm. like, I really remember that Phoenix series. I remember everything since then. And, um, and then I've, you know, gone back and no one knows. Some of the details about these guys, especially the stuff from the 80s, is what I'm learning more. I think I knew a lot of the Jordan stuff with the Pippen stuff. Um, the Rodman stuff, I guess, was covered in his uh, 30 for 30, but mm-hmm. it was still seeing how the tide into this documentary was really cool. So, yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I, I was thinking about you last night watching that Kobe stuff. I figured you were liking that. I love, I guess that's what I'm taking away from this documentary. And, and it's not, it's not fair to compare it to now, but like the respect those players gave each other. And it mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of jokes about them being friendly and all that stuff because people complain about the players being friendly now. But, like, with Jordan specifically, he was so competitive and wanted to beat you. Even if he was playing golf with you the night before, he wants to beat your brains in the next day. And and I'm not saying anybody now doesn't do that, but just the, the competitiveness between the guys, but then also the respect, especially the dream team stuff, the stuff they said about Kobe. I mean, and Kobe giving it right back to Jordan, like, you know, I'm not – doing any of this without Jordan doing I'm you know I'm learning from him like I just like I like that approach from these guys and and seeing that come out of them I, I think it's I think it's nice to see right now yeah no for sure I, th- I thought the um the dream team uh story with with magic where magic had been retired for a year um and, they, and they're there in the summer and magic gets you know ticked off and throws the ball on the stands and is going off on Michael um, yeah. and you know, it's, it's all tense and quiet on the bus and then magic just kind of cracks the joke. Like, Oh, we shouldn't have messed with them. 
um, I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome stuff. And um, another underrated thing that I've noticed is the quality of the, the footage. Like, I don't oh, think yeah. I've ever seen Jordan in those games in HD like that. Like, I mean, to see that quality of footage is pretty awesome. Like, I'm so used to seeing, you know, kind of the grainy, non-HD, you know, game clips of it. Um, to see it in that way is, is pretty cool, too. Yeah, I mean, they spent a lot of time cleaning up the video. I mean, that's why when you watch these old games on TV now, they're great. I mean, you watch, I watched the Cal Ripken game from 95. It looked terrible. Um, but then you see this old video from the 80s, and it looks great. But it's because they've, like, cleaned it up and spent the time on that video. Um, right. I still think it's weird. Just kind of off topic. I watched Ricky Henderson break the sports, the stolen base record the other day. That video looked better in 1989 than the 95 video Cal. I don't understand <laughs> that. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've loved every minute. I know Joe was complaining about the jumping around, and I've I've heard other people jump uh, complain about it. I guess for me, I just I'm with I'm 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 there. I, I don't it, it hasn't lost me yet. So I guess I yeah. guess that's the difference. Yeah, same here. All right. So before we get you out of here, uh, binge. I got two questions. One's overall <laughs> lately binging. We've asked you this kind of question before. What have you binged lately that our listeners need to hear about? Uh, so the big one I'm watching right now that I can't stop watching is uh, Money Heist. Um, I don't know if either of you have heard of that one, but um, it is actually a Spanish um, television series. And so if if you don't if you don't like subtitles, uh, I, I would not recommend it. But <laughs> um, but it is pretty it's pretty awesome. Just to, it's about um, I guess you could call them a gang and and, and just robbing uh they're they're a bunch of robbers they're a bunch of really bad people honestly but but it is very entertaining and very um there's a bunch of different storylines and it's kind of hard to explain but i would definitely highly recommend it um if you're into crime and um things like that because i for some reason i am obsessed with those types of shows so and what about with cinco de mayo coming up uh what are some of your favorite local places places Oh, uh, <laughs> um, well, before this year, well, I just moved out to Harrisburg this past year. So before this year for Cinco, I always went to, um, you said local places, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Plaza Azteca in Waynesboro was always my go-to spot. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That It was, yeah. I um, They had some great specials, and I lived close enough where it didn't matter how many margaritas or how many tequila shots <laughs> I took, I could, I could make it home, so... <laughs> I I, mean, I go to that place. I don't know. I, I, I think other people just like it more than me. I don't think it's bad. I know people like the fresh guac, and that's cool. But I don't know. I guess it's out of my way too, because I'm not a Waynesboro guy. So I guess I, I guess I always shy away from there. Yeah. Well, I lived I lived literally about 200 yards away from there. So that that was a big big bonus for me. If I if I lived somewhere else, I'd probably be a El Porto kind of guy. I, I'm a big old, I'm a big El Porto fan. Yeah, El Porto El Porto is good. I, I, I we'll talk about it later on the podcast, but. Baja downtown is just, I just, it's just local. It's, it's not, uh, you know, cookie cutter Mexican. So I always love that place. Yeah. Baja is a good one too. El Charo and Harrisonburg is a good one there. I I could go on and on about that too. That's another, that's another separate podcast. (laughs) All those El Charos are good. The one in Newmarket was really good. I used to go there when I worked up that way. And, uh, Tuesdays they had like half price Mexican food. And while I was working up there, we hit a Cinco de Mayo on a Tuesday and it was just spectacular. Yep, yep, it's awesome. <laughs> All right, Cody. Well, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, we'll probably get you back on soon. We gotta 
we got to go into the uh, into eleven. We got to get to eleven here. So uh, we'll get you on soon, and uh, good luck with anything, everything, and good. Uh, I saw that you have the all city, all county teams coming out for the winter season. So we'll look forward to reading that. Yep, sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me, man. And let's talk about what is dominating your life. I watched that E60 with Alex Smith mm, showing his destroyed leg, and it was disgusting. I had some interaction with Patrick Height on Facebook uh, talking about it. We were actually watching it at the same time. Uh, just happened to be on Sunday afternoon. And uh, we were saying the same things at the same time, and it was just gruesome. It looked like he had been through a, a, a landmine incident in Afghanistan or something. It was just tough to see. And um, it was cool to have that uh, access. But at the same time, there was there was some of that I didn't need to see. I thought it was bad early when they kept saying showing his leg bend the wrong way, and they kept showing Theismann's, which it's freaky how much stuff lines up between those two injuries, days, team score or score being played person who uh, injured them just crazy um, stuff that line up but it was cool also to see Alex Smith I got a lot of respect more respect for him I already thought it was like a solid guy I thought he kind of came out on the short end on a lot of situations in San Francisco and then in the, the Chiefs kind of quit on him uh, quickly even though he was producing good results I mean playoffs four out of five years he just what didn't take it to the next level. He was having a good season of the Redskins when he went down um, and really putting them in a position they hadn't been for a while before that or since. Um, so I have a lot of respect for him. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback, but I respect him as a player in his fight. And that E60 just showed his fight and um, the tough times his family went through for that. I really recommend watching it. If you can't handle some gruesome things, you're going to have some problems with it, but I'd still try to watch try to make your way through it maybe close your eyes at some points um because just to hear the story is really interesting and uh i enjoyed it even though there was some some tough images yeah i still need to watch it it's definitely on my list of things to watch this week it's, um it's worth it yeah worth it. uh what's dominating my life is i've been living my quarantine life through video game career modes whether that's mlb the show bouncing around my career road to the show guy who's lasted multiple versions of this game um, and been carried over, finally won my first World Series of my guy's career with the Oakland Athletics in 2030, or whether it is the uh, NCAA 14 career mode as offensive coordinator currently at Wake Forest. I worked my way out of Old Dominion, the one-star program, got into Wake Forest. I'm in my second year at Wake Forest with Sam Hartman at quarterback. That's a little bit of a bumpy road. We got off to an 0-4 start playing four ranked teams uh, but we did beat Duke. Next up is Army. So if we can beat Army and improve to two and four, uh, hopefully we do good. I will say this in my defense. The offense isn't the reason we're losing these games. It's the defense. So I don't know what that defensive coordinator over there is doing, but Joe Deck's offense is running smooth. If Joe Deck was a fan of if, – if real life Joe Deck was a fan of Wake Forest, he'd be calling for this Joe Deck's job. He's the offensive coordinator. And the offense is putting up 30 points a game. It's hard to get mad at him when you're you'd be you want you'd want full scale changes, a two and four start. I start out. Oh, and four. I'd want the be, defensive coordinator who's done. giving up 40 and 60 points to get out. Yeah, I would. You, at some point, you would tell him to shut down the program. Maybe I will say our head coach is <laughs> does not have the best job security right now. So wouldn't be surprised <laughs> to see him get axed. But what I know that you need to know is 2020 is the worst. Uh, we get it. All right. 
I said 2019 was the worst year that I could ever envision. And 2020 has obviously accepted that challenge. Beginning of 2020 wasn't great. Uh, And then it got into coronavirus stuff in March. Then we got into uh, what looked like maybe, just maybe, some relief, maybe some stuff opening up in a couple weeks. And then, oh yeah, we've got murder hornets now. So that's awesome. Uh, I hope you realize what happens next in about July or August once we've really started to relax some of the social distancing stuff. Uh, we're going to do some mining because obviously you got to get to those important fossil fuels. We're going to blow the top off a mountain and realize that our ancestors had buried the last of the dragons under a mountain and we just blew the top off and now the dragons have escaped and they will kill the rest of humanity. So that's how July 2020 happens and 2020 is the end of the world. I'm going to go ahead and predict it now, because if it's not murder hornets, it's going to be the dragons we release from the mountains when we blow the tops off the mountains. I know you're being funny. The murder hornets have been overstated, shocker, by the media. Um, but, uh, hey, if if there's a harmful bug in our, our ecosystem, we need to know about it. And mainly the murder hornets that they've been talking about. Uh, which there actually is something called murder hornets. These aren't them. This was just something the media put on it without realizing there was something else called murder hornets that uh, isn't here. Um, They're pretty isolated to, I believe, Washington State, from what I understand. There was reports of them in South Carolina, which weren't true. Uh, Apparently, they're really only affecting uh, bees, uh, uh, honeybees, and so they're really training uh, uh, an apiarist's beekeepers to uh, be able to handle this, recognize it, and take care of it quickly. Uh, This really isn't going to be a big impact on the human population. Um, But the rest of what you said, I absolutely agree with, and I bet dragons are coming. And all you guys that watch Game of Thrones will have one up on the rest of us that didn't, and you'll know how to handle uh, the dragons that come after us and maybe ride them and, and have interactions with your siblings and stuff. It'll be cool. Here's how you handle the dragons. You don't. They burn you and you die. Um, that's how you handle it. So seemed like that one girl had a good handle on it. Yeah, well, she was born into it. I am going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say no one alive today was born into handling a dragon. Uh, but yeah, uh, but I, I will say I do think you undervalue the quote unquote murder hornets a little bit. Uh, because if they decimate the bee population, which is already an issue in the United States and around the world, that's gonna be kind of a big deal. Okay, fair fair enough. If we're coming from that angle, that's fine. If we're coming, if we're thinking we have to run through the streets uh, with scared, these things are going to sting us. That's that's what I was trying. Well, to also, to yeah, I mean the the stingers in these things are pretty huge, and they have. I did read reports that even people who aren't necessarily allergic, if you get stung multiple times by a murder hornet, it is has the potential to kill you. So, I mean, if you get swarmed by murder hornets, you're dead. So does getting eaten by a shark, but we still swim. All right. Not me. What do you know that I need to know? What do I know that you need to know is that Cinco de Mayo is this week, and it's likely uh, coming out as we were dropping this podcast. So I just wanted to ask some some information from you. Uh, You're going out to a Mexican restaurant. You're about to order. What you getting? Going to Chipotle. I'm getting that steak burrito. That is good. Uh, we shared. We we didn't share one, but we we both had individual ones not too long ago. It was a good eat. I do like Chipotle. Um, so Chipotle is your go-to place. I'm gonna recommend to you 
come to Stanton no. and either go to Baja Bean or no, not not either. Come to Stanton twice and one time go to Baja Bean. It's a great Mexican restaurant downtown. If you have not been there, which I don't think you have, uh, it is definitely worth coming over there for. Um, maybe you know we keep talking about going to IHOPs and Long John. Oh, Silvers that's the other thing. And Captain D's. Let's go to actually good restaurant and go to and go to Baja Bean, which is is really good. It's not uh, you know cookie cutter Mexican. I like El Porto. I'll go to El Porto. I'll have a good time. But Baja Bean is just you know like custom made. Mexican food, they get really creative. Um, I'm not going to say it's all perfectly, um, you know, uh, authentic, but it's very good, um, really good Mexican food, and uh, it's authentic enough that it's 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 a good time there. Yeah. Uh, the my- other place that you need to go is Chicano Boy, which is the local um, local business equivalent to a Chipotle. Uh, really good food, really good for pickup. They'll like, even deliver right now during this quarantine time. Uh, try that place too. It's really good. I was going to say, one, I can't go to Stanton because I'm not allowed. Uh, two, uh, yeah, um, I'm not big on authentic Mexican because I'm not a big fan of beans. And that is a big staple in a lot of Mexican dishes. So unless they're willing to get real customization there, it's going to be a no from me, dog. Uh, right, Baja, you'll be good. You'll be good. Plaza Azteca. I do like that's a Waynesboro Mexican restaurant, even though it's kind of a chain. And El Puerto, I believe, are both chains. Those are good. I've eaten there in Waynesboro. Those are okay, but I, I prefer mean, El Chipotle. Porto, El Porto is like a the cookie cutter Mexican. You know, it's the equivalent of the Chinese. Yeah, and food I don't pretend right Chipotle is actual Mexican food. I understand it's Tex-Mex, and that's fine. I like Tex-Mex better, and I like Mexican food. But uh, you mentioned IHOP, and I forgot to mention that in my uh, great things that 2020 has accomplished. It took my IHOP. It's taken my sports. It's taken it's taken my IHOP. Um, I give up. 2020, you win. Uh, you are worse than 2019. And if 2021 is worse than you, uh, oh, who am I kidding? We're not going to get there because the Dragons are going to kill us. But, um, yeah, wow. I can't even go to IHOP anymore. I've got to drive to where? Winchester? When we go to Lynchburg for the Super Secret Club and our trip to Lynchburg, uh, we might as well go to IHOP there because that's probably the closest one. Or does Lynchburg not even have an IHOP? There's one in. Uh, there's one down in Lexington. Oh, thank God. That's right. We ate there. How could I forget about that one? Wow. We, we didn't. Did we not go there? We did not go to that one. We ate at an IHOP at uh, like Zion's Crossroads. <laughs> that's right. Oh, it was wow. it was sketchy at 1 a.m. <laughs> it was not great, yeah. Uh, but thank goodness for Lexington, I guess. Wow, I still have an IHOP that's within an hour. The last time I went to that IHOP, I swore I'd never go again. So I guess Lynchburg is also technically within an hour. It just feels longer. Yeah, I think you have some options, but it won't be as as easy for you as your usual Harrisonburg one and the, and the one you you loved I get it that's that stinks I loved that one 2020 is really doing a number on me I can't. my 2020 complaint is b-dubs stop making buffalo chips who cares buffalo chips are gross I anyway. love them man I love those things I'm not a big fan of buffalo chips I loved them tater tots did not substitute well enough oh see I love tots compared to buffalo chips but I That's like just me, and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't get the Valley League this summer either. I mean, I, 
I might not get yeah. Major League Baseball this summer. I, that remains to be seen, although Trevor Plouffe is breaking news that they're going to start, uh, according to multiple sources, according to him. I don't know who his sources are. No one else is reporting it. But um, I would say that's unconfirmed nonsense at this point. Maybe he's right. But uh, he because what makes me really question is he says the teams will be playing in their home parks, which really I would cast some serious doubt on especially when it comes to the LA and New York teams. Well, all we've established in this podcast is that Joe is having the worst year possible for anybody in America. 70,000 people might disagree with that, but they're wrong. Joe is having it the worst. Yep. I believe (laughs) that to be a correct statement. Follow us so you can get more of this next week at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter, at Yak Sports Pod at Facebook, or email us yaksportspod at gmail.com subscribe on podbean apple google spotify make sure you tell your friends about our disney villain bracket go back and listen to some of our other brackets and honestly go back and listen to the whole podcast because uh, there hadn't been a whole lot of sports news you can catch up on the uh, podcast and and have a lot of entertainment from joe and i and we'll be back next week with some more lists or pod or our brackets or something. And hopefully a little bit of sports news, maybe some talk on Korean baseball. We'll be back next week. The Yak sports podcast. You've been listening to Yak sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.